BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello and welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman and I am here with a colleague of mine from Mount Sinai Hospital, Marielle Benjamin, who is the Director of Programming at the Mount Sinai Parenting Center. We also work together at Seedlings Group in my private practice. We spend a tremendous amount of time together. And I asked Marielle to join me to answer questions for all of you who are healthcare workers and staff at hospitals. This will also be relevant for any essential workers to talk to their children during the COVID-19 pandemic. We really um, want to start with a heartfelt thank you for the work that you're doing to protect, treat, and save patients from this harrowing pandemic. You're in a difficult and unique position as both providers and parents, and we're here to offer whatever information and support we can to make you feel more comfortable and confident in your planning and conversations with your loved ones. So Marielle, thank you so much for doing this with me, and I'm just going to get started um, with some of the questions that we've received um, at Mount Sinai. Great. So how do I explain COVID-19 to my kids? Right. So um, I think the conversation around COVID-19 is difficult, and a lot of us are tempted to avoid discussing uncomfortable or scary topics at all. Um, But giving children a clear explanation of this crisis and answering their specific questions may stop them from making up their own explanations Mm -hmm. in their mind, which can be scary or inaccurate. So you want to try and have the conversation, not the whole conversation at one time, but leave the door open for questions and continued follow-up. And I would say the first place to start is to find out what your child knows. So for younger children, you want to gently explore whether your child knows anything about coronavirus. And then you want to offer simple information that you want to share without introducing unnecessary worry. You want to use simple language, maybe something like viruses are a type of germ that can make us sick. Many viruses would just cause a cold or a fever. And your body is usually good at fighting off viruses on its own without any special help. But some people may need more help, even going to the doctor or the hospital to help them fight it off. So, you know, something really simple. And then I think for older children, you want to assume they have information already on COVID-19 from many different sources, but you want to ask them and then you want to address the specific information they've heard or read. 
And when you want to give them additional information, you know, more than that example for younger kids, you can either add your own details or use a vetted resource like the CDC website to really have a conversation about the facts. So again, not just presenting them, but turning it into a conversation about what information is out there. Great. The next one is info is changing all the time. What do I say that I can count on? Well, I think this is hard for all of us, right? So I I would say you need to stick to information in real time. So telling your child what the plan is for now, but being honest about the possibility and in fact, the likelihood that it will change. You know, avoid making predictions or planning too far into the future. That's just not something that's practical in uncertain times. And I think this is a way for all of us to practice tolerating that uncertainty and building our resilience. And that's especially difficult for children. So while there definitely are some things that we don't have answers to, we want to reassure our children that when we have more information, we will share it. What do I say when my kids are scared they will get sick? So this is hard, right? We have a lot of healthcare workers Mm -hmm. whose children are asking that. And I think we would say to start with the data, which suggests that healthy children are at a relatively low risk from COVID-19. And I think we would share that directly with children. So there is a new virus called COVID-19, which most children can fight off all on their own and is similar to having a cold. But some people get more sick from this virus and need to go to a hospital for help. So we all have to try and keep everyone healthy. And if you get sick, you could make others sick without knowing it. Germs spread from person to person. So the best way to make sure you don't catch COVID-19 or spread it to someone else is to wash your hands, cover your cough, and stay away from people outside our family. How do I know how my child is feeling or how can I get them to talk? You know, I think we expect a range of responses from children, from mild to something more extreme. Um, For younger children, to help them express their feelings, you can say something like, your face looks like you're worried and I'm wondering if there's anything on your mind. Or I understand why you might be sad about that. Try to resist the urge to move young children away from difficult emotions even though it's natural to want them to be happy. Um, It helps children to know that we can sit with them through those hard moments and that it's normal and okay to feel all feelings, even the difficult ones. Mm -hmm. Um, Helping your children to name those hard feelings is especially important with older children by expressing these feelings and responding to what we know and our plan of action, you can sort of help to alleviate that anxiety. So for example, you can say something like, it is scary to think that we can get sick without knowing it, but we're doing everything that we can do. And so far that's been working. If you have other ideas, I'm here to listen. And for all children, intellectually understanding what they're feeling may come more naturally than recognizing where in their bodies they might be feeling it. So for younger children, ask your child to point to the part of her body where she feels the feeling. It may help to give an example like, when I miss you, I feel it in my tummy. When children don't want to have head-on conversations um, or they seem to avoid a conversation, if you try to talk to them, just encourage them to creatively express emotions through writing and music, dance, physical activity, or drawing. And if they still really don't want to talk about it, sometimes doing something where you're not looking at each other and joining them in something like drawing can bring out conversations more easily. And of course, when you've found helpful strategies for managing your own feelings of fear, uncertainty, and this loss of control, include your child by inviting them to participate in one of your practices. 
because modeling our own coping strategies and sharing our difficult emotions with our children makes our relationship stronger and it helps them to feel heard and understood in profound ways. Perhaps you can even find a way to share a laugh in these hard times. You know, there are so many funny but respectful videos online and memes that are going around. And especially with kids that are a little bit older, you can really connect over these things and show them that we can still um, have moments of, of laughter and release the tension. And you always want to include your child in you know, ways to stay healthy. So they come up with the song that they're going to sing. Like they don't have to sing happy birthday necessarily to make sure their hands are clean, but they just have to come up with a song that's long enough to get their hands super clean when they're scrubbing their hands. Or, you know, maybe they have a good way to suggest to keep in touch with friends from a safe distance or um, virtually. They can be so creative and feel more agency at a time when they don't have much um, if they're given a task and responsibility. One task and responsibility I gave my children was to um, take care of the dog who I can hear barking. So apologies there. Um. (laughs) Okay, so my turn to ask you questions. So for our frontline staff, what do we need to say differently to children? We're all in this together, whether you're an emergency room physician, a critical care nurse, housekeeper, transporter, security guard. These are, you know, the front lines of this crisis. You are there and, and thank you for that. But also for this reason, you need to provide additional information, allow for much more specific discussions about your role in this pandemic and how it will affect your family. And how can I explain my job to my kids? Explain the role that you're currently playing with as much appropriate detail as possible so that they really understand, you know, if they haven't explored what your job is in great detail, now's a a wonderful time to say something like, my job is to help people whose bodies are not able to fight the virus easily. I'm trying to help their bodies be as strong as possible so that they can get better and they can get home to their families. You want to make it clear that you are working and this is your job and most importantly, you were trained to do this. So you can normalize this incredibly unusual situation and help them feel more confident that you're going to be okay. And this question is about how can I tell my child about where I go? So it's really important to give, like I said, specific details about what you're doing to keep yourself safe and healthy and where you're going and what you're doing so that they understand exactly you know, what's going on, as Mariel said earlier, you don't want them to create fantasies about what's happening, you know, and images that might be false. You want them and scarier. So you can explain the precautions you're taking to protect your body while you're helping save other people and and really take the time to explain details about where you're going to be, how you'll spend time, what it looks like, you know, talking about things as little as, you know, what you'll be eating and how you will rest helps them feel that you have a plan. So if you can even show pictures of locations of where you are that do not include patients or anyone or anything looking scary, it can really help give kids a concrete visual of what to imagine. Understanding your daily routines and getting a better picture of where you are and where you will be, what you're doing and all the things that you're doing to help can help your child cope with their concerns about the safety of your job. So even the details like washing your hands and how you do it and changing your clothes and frequently cleaning surfaces, 
and even possibly self-quarantining when you're not working? So we have a couple of questions with kids expressing fears directly that their parents are not well protected. What would you say to that one? So I would say give the big picture because when you explain to your kids that there are germs in the community already at the grocery store and the pharmacy and on public transportation, I mean, not to scare anyone more, but just help them understand that many of us have been exposed to COVID-19 already. And then you can say something like, people working in the hospital like me wear special clothing and masks to protect ourselves. And you also want to refocus the conversation to take away the emphasis on fear and start talking about how you feel when you're helping people at work each day. And that can help your children feel connected to your mission and your passion. And helping children find the same feeling by talking to them about what they can do to help keep other people safe can also refocus the conversation outward. And everyone, this is an opportunity to brag about what a hero you are. Do not be shy. These are your kids and it feels really good to find out that you are not only their hero, but everyone else's too. So we got a lot of questions about separation. I think people are separated from their children. Mm -hmm all different reasons, um, some in just a different space or a different location or the hours. Um, what would you say about uh, handling separations between parents and their children? This is a gutting part of this. And the separation is understandably hard on everybody, your children, your partner or co-caretaker. It's just difficult for everyone to adjust to having to leave their family to bravely serve in the hospital during this pandemic and in the settings where, you know, you're putting yourself at risk to help others. I know one of the most difficult parts of this is imagining what this will be like for your child and your relationship with your child. And so um, while it can be challenging to adjust to the absence of a parent who is called to duty, rest assured, there are many ways to set the tone for keeping a healthy emotional connection during this time apart. And remember that with the love and support of at least one adult, children can overcome almost any challenge. We have so much research to back this up, and there will be plenty of time for reconnection when the immediate challenge is over. It's good for all of us to remember. Yeah. Um, what are your specific tips for dealing with separation? Well, first have compassion both for yourself and for your children because children may re react you know, in different ways when they learn that they need to be apart from you. And in the ways that you mentioned, whether it's you know, you're working more hours, you're actually physically distant, whatever it is, your child may be confused about why you have to be away from them. They may be scared that you'll get sick. They may be angry with you for leaving. So just keeping communication open with your child about these difficult feelings and you know, letting them have that whole range. And also, and I think you alluded to this earlier, you really want to be open and listen rather than hear their difficult feeling and try to talk them out of it. And of course, planning a system with them just from a practical standpoint of how they can reach you, when they can reach you, um, when, you're, when you are going to be away. Or if, for example, you're self-quarantining, how you can communicate, um, trying to have them keep track of their questions, topics to discuss, even if they're not related to COVID-19, but they're just like part of some, you know, the stuff they wanted to share with you. And like then you can... that happened that they want to tell you later. Exactly. And then you can review them when you 
reconnect. And of course, make sure they know that you're open and available whenever you can be so that you just keep that door open and they aren't thinking like, okay, I don't want to bother my parent right now because they're too stressed out for me. Let them know like you're available and you can handle it, even if not in that exact moment. And of course, you you can get creative by creating new rituals. So you can write little surprise notes or drawings and little jokes for your child to find throughout the day or you know, enlist your co-parent or co-caretaker to, to leave notes for your child. And it can be super simple, like good morning, sunshine, or have a great day, or it can be more complex for older children. And again, if you're, if you're actually in the same space, but just separated by a door, you can come up with clever ways to um, you know, make signs to each other, sounds for each other, talk to each other. Um, and of course, take advantage of technology, which is something we, we often try to avoid. But this is one of those times where let's just take full advantage of the fact that you can create videos and messages and share pictures. And you know, if you have young children, you can have a co-parent share that with your child at bedtime or at different times. Um, if you can FaceTime a meal, that's great. It's very likely that you won't be able to, but anything that you can do to enlist technology, let's take advantage. Um, and your kids, especially the ones that are getting a little bit older and understanding technology sometimes more than we do, you can include them and have them come up with creative ways for keeping each other smiling while you're apart. I love those. Okay, so here's the next question. What are some tips for co-parents, partners, and caregivers of those on the front line? Yeah. So I think we want to acknowledge that they have, you know, you who are listening have a tremendous burden that you're taking on while one parent um, is doing their job on the front line. So certainly it's not easy to be the one who is home. I think, you know, we would start with maintaining routines to the extent that you can, keeping a predictable schedule and helping, you know, that your child cope with the unpredictable and uncertain by having that routine. Maybe even adding a superhero sticker if you're keeping a calendar to the days where the other parent is working in the hospital, Um, but some way to sort of keep them organized and in their normal routine. And then you want to try to avoid changing your house rules. So a lot of us are tempted to remove all discipline and boundaries right now, um, whether we're worried about our child's well-being or we're just struggling to watch them in the normal everyday stress of, of not getting to do what they want all the time. And while this feels like you're being nice, it's often unsettling for children. So even when we're allowing a few new behaviors, like the more screen time that you mentioned before or less healthy meals. Um, We're doing lots of chocolate at my house. (laughs) Still important for children to understand that even though things have changed, they can still count on certain consistencies like discipline and, and boundaries. I think we would both be strong proponents of staying away from the news Um, News coverage makes imagery and information as scary as possible to attract viewers and keep them engaged. And given that you have a family where one family member is in the hospital working, it's especially harmful for children to hear the news. If you have an older child who's really interested in watching television coverage, then again, same way we were talking about using the internet, trying to have an adult do that viewing with the child. And I think getting frequent questions and concerns answered by your partner who is on the front lines as often as possible is going to be the best way to get the most accurate 
sort of information from the circumstances that they are facing, not the general reporting. And like with everything we would say about parenting, when you can have one voice and one message, it's a lot easier on your children. So making sure that all the adults in the home are on the same page when it comes to information or practices. Um, when kids hear a disagreement between one adult and another, so, you know, for example, one of the parents saying that they're nervous that the other parent is not taking the necessary precautions, that can be really unsettling. So make sure to at least communicate consistently whenever you can and acknowledge when what you're presenting is a change or an update from something else that you've said before. That's such a good point. And, you know, we're not saying like in general, one parent is potentially going to disagree with another parent for other reasons. This is different because you really need them to feel like that there's confidence in what you're saying. So you do want to be more on the same page than ever. Right. So we have a ton of questions about anxiety. I'm going to kick it back to you with just the general, is anxiety for you know all of the people on the front line normal right now, even for people who don't normally feel anxious? These uncertain times are the perfect recipe for anxiety. At this heightened state of unknown with information changing every hour, even the steadiest among us will experience some ongoing stress. And your body's natural response to this, called a stress response, is one in which you go into fight, flight, or freeze in the face of a threat. And, you know, sometimes you may perceive a threat that's not real and have a stress response. But in this scenario, in which your concerns are certainly valid, it would actually be unwise to have zero stress response, right? These circumstances warrant that. So this is the response that keeps us safe. So some amount of stress, the stress that propels us into action is a good thing, but excess stress is counterproductive. So you might not even be conscious of your stress response, but your body knows it's happening. And since you can't fight, flight, or freeze in this case, we can talk about a few ways that you can bring stress to the forefront so that you can deal with it. And you know, once you've worked through stress and seen that you can tolerate the level of discomfort that this uncertainty is causing, you will get better and better at dealing with it. Oh, good. Let's talk through those ways. (laughs) Okay. So if the uncertainty is fueling the stress response, the first thing is to differentiate between what you can and cannot control. So we have the worries that have solutions. Those are productive worries. That like an example of a productive worry in this case would be a worry that you're spreading germs. And the solution here would be you take proper precautions with hand washing, et cetera. And then there's unproductive worry, which is that, you know, there is no immediate action to be taken and yet you're still on that loop. And so an example of this type of worry would be wondering how long this pandemic will last or when will life return to normal? And there are no solutions to these unanswerable questions. And then these worries end up getting trapped in a loop in your head. And it's very natural to make attempts to oversolve an unsolvable scenario And then, of course, you create more distress. And so if you find yourself just desperately trying to, you know, read story after story, the news after, you know, one thing that you hear and then the next thing, and you're just constantly trying to make sense of what's going on at work, you're only going to increase the stress because you absolutely cannot think your way out of uncertainty no matter how hard you try. 
And so just understanding that it just feels the way it feels and that you can tolerate some level of uncertainty will help you thrive under these challenging conditions. And it will help support your children as they look to you to learn how best to respond to this uncertainty. You know, how do you respond to adversity? So a few strategies, of course, include meditation, exercise, and other forms of self-care and acceptance. Again, that's saying, you know, this is unknown. This uncertainty is something that exists. It's uncomfortable, but I can tolerate it. And you know, when you have adaptive strategies to work through uncertainty, you're reinforcing that you have the capacity to work through this type of stress, which is helpful to build resilience in the whole family. Um, and these are good practices for anybody at any time, even when you're not in these extraordinary circumstances. And, you know, we have to remember, and this is, you know, kids as well, everybody is um, in this situation. But remember, none of us learns well under stress and we're all adapting to this crisis in different ways and we need to be patient with ourselves and with other people. Our children may have trouble with their usual tasks and it can be really frustrating because it seems like, how can this be difficult for you right now? I need you to get it together. Um, But it's really hard to change routines um, and that can make it harder on kids. And experiencing challenges that we don't anticipate is just, it's difficult. So try to um, know or remind yourself this is all normal and expected and requires compassion and understanding. And, you know, one thing for everyone to keep in mind is that you also need to think about other recent or past events that might be influencing your family's reaction. So, you know, all of us have unique experiences and there are some children who've already experienced trauma And if it was particularly related to physical health or illness, they may be at increased risk for emotional distress and the same for you. So pay particular attention in these situations and seek additional support as needed. I'd love for you, Marielle, to give some information about how healthcare workers can get more resources on parenting challenges moving forward. And we will continue to do this. So please DM questions if you are a healthcare provider or staff in a hospital, please DM and we will answer all of your questions. And you can, of course, go to seedlingsgroup.com for resources. And the the Parenting Center website, will be putting resources up there as well, which is parenting.mountsinai.org. Great. Um, And yeah, we'd love more questions and we're going to try to figure out a way to answer all of them. We cannot say enough about our gratitude for your service. And we're so, so grateful to everybody who is an essential support system for the rest of us. Thank you so much. And Marielle, thank you for taking the time. I know this is kind of a, a crazy time for everyone 